Open our lips, O God, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. What needs to be torn down? I'm looking at Jesus in the story today, and I'm thinking if Jesus went through one of our ordination discernment processes, there would be a certain point where there would be an uncomfortable exchange. The story would kind of come to haunt him, where they would be looking very concerned and mature and thoughtful and reflective, and they would say, now Jesus, this day in the temple doesn't seem to manifest the soul of someone with much... Self-regulation. Yeah. In other words, what the heck happened? What was going on that day? And my guess is there might even be some begrudging kind of being impressed with this person like, wow. But you might not want them teaching your kids Sunday school. And so here is this story. Now, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, This story takes place at the end of their Gospels. This is really for them the kind of the crescendo, the final act of Jesus saying, okay, here's the deal. But John puts it right at the beginning saying, here's the deal. And it's the second of two major signs of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John. Quick remember of the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus comes to be baptized by John, who points at him and says to his disciples, he's the one to follow. Jesus begins to gather disciples, end of chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, wedding at Cana. And you remember the wedding at Cana, and we've talked about the number of gallons of wine that were created that day, that if in fact that much wine was in the place, the party would have gone on at least a week, and maybe then some, And Jesus announcing, this is God's life. This is the realm of God. This is the kingdom of God. If you want to know what this life is about, here's the banquet. And this banquet is always in your midst. And you can never, ever consume it. It's always abundant. Period on wedding of Cana. Next verse, cleansing the temple. And so for the evangelist, they really are two parts of an opening keynote statement. This is the life of God. This is the realm of God. This is where we find the life of God. This is how we live. Now, it's a shame that this didn't happen in our time. Because can you imagine the YouTube video? You know, I mean, whether you get email or social media or stuff popping up in stories, just imagine you're watching the video. You know, Rabbi loses it in temple. And when you'd be watching it, at first it'd be kind of grainy because the focus would keep going in and out because there's so much, and the person who's trying to video is getting jostled by the crowd of all these people pushing and shoving, animals bumping into them, and you're trying to figure out, and you can see a bunch of birds like flying out and shrieking, and you're hearing these cows and these sheep, and they're all baying and going, what in the heck in their own languages is going on? And there's coins being tossed, and you see these crowds, and they look like maybe schools of fish who've run into each other, some grabbing for them, some running from them. It's nuts. And it's crazy. And it's Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to be in a crowd 
that you sensed was about to get out of control. Where the pushing and shoving and the cramping and the movements are such that you're beginning to wonder, when will this become unsafe? That's what's going on in the story today. And anybody there would have felt unsafe. You know, this isn't some kind of um, school fundraiser where the PTA has a bake sale and some parent gets mad and shoves the brownies off the table, right? This is like cleaning the whole school out. Even Jesus' disciples don't know exactly what to do with the story. I mean, think of how many stories in the Gospels. They see something, Jesus does something, and then afterwards they say, Jesus, would you explain what just happened there? We don't have that with this story. Maybe they did, but I'm guessing, like most of us, they would have gone, well, that was interesting. What do we make of that? And I'm not sure I want to ask. And it's not the first time a prophet of God has behaved like this. And it's not the first time a prophet of God has made us as human beings very uncomfortable. So what has drawn Jesus to this violent act? What has drawn him to this ferocious, which is an understatement, protest? And you may remember some of this, you may not, if you're not familiar. In the temple at that time, it was appropriate to bring sacrifices to God, depending on what you were offering, maybe small pigeons, maybe small birds, maybe a sheep, maybe a lamb, some kind of animal that you would bring, and the animal, by law, had to be without blemish. So if you were making pilgrimage to Jerusalem, it really didn't make sense to bring your own animals for a couple reasons. One, you're carrying a bird in a cage, you trip on the trail, the bird injures a wing, it's unacceptable. The lamb gets their foot stuck in a rock on the trail. They're unacceptable. Let alone just the hassle. And so, micro-businesses crept up. People who would say, we'll have the animals ready for you. Just show up in Jerusalem. And you can purchase whatever animals you want to offer. And the same with money in the temple. That because of the law and foreign money being unclean, you had to use temple coinage to make your transactions, to make your offerings. And so, just like getting out at an airport or somewhere like that, currency exchange. We'll get you the money. And as you may remember, the rates of exchange and the rates of sale were abusive. Payday lenders would have been shocked. Because these folks knew they had it. The law required you have these kinds of animals. The law required these kinds of coinage. Thank you. It works to our benefit. And so what Jesus is seeing is the temple of God. If there is any space that is supposed to be talking about everyone's access to God, if there is any space that's supposed to be talking about all of us being present without having to merit one thing at all, it's the temple of God. But what folks have set up is this gauntlet that says, if you want to get to God, you've got to pass through us. If you want to find life, you have to pass through us and do it according to the things that we've set up. And yes, we are going to make a profit at your expense. And you can imagine not only did that keep people somewhat separated from God, who had what kind of money to buy what kind of animals, 
But you can imagine there was probably some separation of human beings going on when you're looking across the table of someone who's supposed to be your companion and you know they're taking you. Doesn't exactly set your heart in meditation for God, does it? And Jesus is seeing the perversion of human relationships. Jesus is seeing the abuse of relationships with God. He is seeing the abuse of the dignity of others. And he is saying, how is it that you can do this? What have you put in the way of others and in so doing, actually put in the way of yourselves from being connected to God and one another? And so he acts as he does with clear words and sharp words and sharp actions. Now, this is one of those days in church where it's really easy for me to go, you know, I wish Jim were here because he really needs to hear this. You know? You ever have one of those days? They could use to hear this stuff, not me. Jesus isn't asking me to reflect what needs to be torn down in our life. We're all souls. We're Episcopalians. We're so good. Must be for that church down the road, right? And I'm wondering, what in our communal life is Jesus wanting to drive out? Why do we have this Lent 3 passage? What is it that we are participating in, either directly or indirectly, knowingly or unknowingly, intentionally or unintentionally, whatever the case may be, that is separating human beings one from another? It is creating systems where some benefit at the expense of others. Where is it that we ourselves are keeping in place policies and protocols and social customs, civically, religiously, that are keeping people apart? What needs to be torn down in us? Back in the fall, we began this koinonia discernment process of saying, God, where is it, how is it that you want us to be in the world? What is it that you want us to hear? And we began with kind of a pretest, if you will, not really a pretest, but a series of set-up questions before we then engaged a number of speakers from the community and people who have been involved in the steering committee. That went out to leaders in the community and people in the streets saying, what do we need to hear? What do we need to see? And this month, people from the steering committee are going back to committees and organizations and ministries with a third question for reflection and a couple of open times next Sunday during the adult forum on the 18th after this service. But hold on that third question for right now because I want to go back to the first two questions. Because one of the things that arose, those questions were, Speak of a significant experience that you have had at All Souls and what were the elements that made up that experience? And what has come from all the feedback is folks saying, you know, wherever we go with this, whatever we decide in this, how we go about our life is every bit as vital as anything we would choose, maybe even more important. The issues are huge, but the issues will not get addressed if we don't have basic core values in terms of how we engage, how we go about our life. Values named like making sacred connections, 
connections with dignity for all people, finding a sense of home and community, and finding intimate soul-based relationships. And as I listen to that feedback, I think, so what does that mean in terms of our going out? It also makes me think, what does it mean in terms of our looking backwards? Not just in terms of anything that may grow out of this time, but what do we need to examine from our past that doesn't manifest that? What is it that we may already be participating that is choking off the life of God for anyone and consequently for us and for everyone? How do we go about cleaning our own tables and our own money changing? What systems of exchange have been set up that have benefited us for generations? Jesus' words, clear words, sharp words. Today's scene is not a comfortable one, and it follows immediately the wedding at Cana. It's John saying, here are the two stories that name everything. The banquet is here. It's in your midst. And it's beyond measure. And the banquet is found by cleaning our own houses. What needs to be torn down? 